Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Mario, also known as the Node Defender in the building. Jackie, the Crypto Juggernaut, and Andrew, the Cashflow King, is joining us on this Thursday. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Coinbase CEO was on CNBC yesterday, criticizing Gary Gensler and other United States regulators. As Brian Brooks, a.k.a. the 13th most influential man in crypto, has joined the HBAR Foundation, driving new innovation into this ecosystem. Ripple released a new report yesterday explaining how by 2025, blockchain adoption will be in full effect, as Bank of America is rumored to be building on Polygon in a new NFT collaboration. Gary Gensler is called to Congress over his regulation of crypto in the United States. And with the BIS announcing the launch of a distributed ledger, we break down the details, showing our community how CBDCs were built to take down crypto. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Mario, I'm sorry, my friend, but the pressure is on you today. And it seems he's already frozen at the beginning of the show. So we're kicking it right to Jackie here. Jackie, once Mario's back online, we're going to go to him. But how are you feeling? And thank you for being here. That's a great side show, Mario. Oh, I got to go this way. <laughs> I'm feeling good, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to be here with my family. Um, love you guys in the chat. Always so consistent. So super feeling super good today. Awesome, guys. And just a quick reminder, our ticket sales are live tomorrow, March 3rd, starting for our April conference. And I'm really excited to bring that to you. But Andrew, before we talk about that, how you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Um, yeah, I'm feeling great. Actually, I'm a little bit jealous of you all, guys, because it's it's freezing weather here and you are sitting in a T-shirt, you know? I'm sitting here with, with a vest and a sweater and it's really cold and gas prices are to the roof, but further... Excellent day, sun is shining, blue skies, and I'm looking forward to a great show with you guys. 
Awesome, Cashflow. Always happy to have you here. And you know, we've got some amazing news prepared, but we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're about 40 followers away from 3,000. So go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning, sitting at a 51. And when we look across the board, it is a red day for sure with Luna C up only 3%. That's the only green candle we got on the day. As we check out the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.06 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 42% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin is sitting at 23,400. Ethereum, 1,600. XRP is 37 cents. Cardano having a red week here sitting at 34. And let's scroll down to Quant Network at 126. So I may have to pick up a little leverage trade there, Andrew. And I'm only kidding, of course. But what are some projects that you're watching? And is there anything that catches your attention during this time? Actually, it did. I was I was just also watching a little bit through the news, and then I my my eye catched uh, stuff like ordinals on on Bitcoin, and uh, actually also uh, the, the Stacks uh, token. And um, I was already I bought it already two years ago, but Stacks is up four hundred percent since since early this year. So amazing! And you know, ordinals it is about uh, NFTs on the blockchain on the on the Bitcoin blockchain. So it's it's something exciting is happening there. So that caught my attention. And uh, yeah, further, I do a lot of other stuff. Uh, tomorrow, I have again an, uh, an, an online or a live uh, coaching session or live uh, classroom training for uh, on site. You know, it, it, it can be done against uh, or can it be done again. So on site with, uh, with, uh, with a couple of students about uh, the investor course. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, exciting times actually. Crypto is always. It's, it's so nice. It's always something new. And I, I love your articles always because it also also keep, keeps us sharp, but also our listeners sharp of what is happening in the market. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Thank you so much, Andrew. That's why they pay me the big bucks over here. And I'm only kidding, of course. But Mario, <laughs> I saw that you found your way back onto the stream. So I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Hopefully they don't cut you off again. But I am excited to have you here. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling great. Thank you. It's just having a little bit of internet issues. So I apologize if I come across a little choppy, but I'm happy to be here. Happy to see everybody in the chat, sending love to everyone, sending love to Jackie, Abs, and, and Andrew and everybody in the chat and everybody in our team. And I'm excited to talk crypto today. Awesome, guys. And we're about to start the show off correctly by showing you a video of how the Fed is incentivized to let companies like Ripple succeed so they can copy their products. So we're going to play this short clip and go to Jackie here. Here we go. The, the governments are anxious to try and keep control of their financial system, but they won't be able to stop these things existing. And it, it's, I, I, I guess the, the aim of the government is to stop any competitor to the central bank digital currency occurring, but it doesn't mean to say that these things won't exist and that they won't have value. They will have value and they will exist. They probably just won't be used uh, or necessarily be used in the same way that the central bank digital currency is used on a day-to-day -day basis. This is important. It's entirely possible that many of these new digital currencies around the world will run on the technologies produced by companies like Ripple and others. The, the, the and that's exactly what I think the SEC is afraid of here. Not only is Ripple a direct competitor to a CBDC, I think they have a better product. And he said two things that really caught my attention here, Jackie. The number one thing is that we could see decentralized currencies like XRP have different use cases than a CBDC, which may be spent in the grocery store or spent at an everyday consumer shop. When you're talking about something like XRP, that is built for banks to transfer liquidity. And so when he's talking about specific use cases and the differentiation there, I think that's what he's pointing to. But what caught your attention here? And then we'll kick it to Mario. 
Yeah, I agree 100% with you, Abs. Where's Johnny with his paper? Uh, you know, cryptocurrency bad, CBDC good. Right. Um, he nailed it right on the head when he said that they'll be using um, the technology that, you know, these cryptocurrencies have. And and that's that's interesting that he said, you know, they are competitors when it comes to the the central bank digital currencies. But that is, you know, something that I've been saying all the time on this show is, all of these blockchains are getting into every niche that they can, whether it be CBDCs, whether it be NFTs, um, you know, even jumping into the metaverse types of things just so that they can stay relevant um, because it is it is competitive. You know, there's not always going to be like you're not going to be number one in every single niche. So as long as you are able to continue to develop and, and get into other niches and things like that, just that allows you to be um, more malleable, I guess, in the space. Um, and like he said, just use, utilize the technology that you are building with your blockchain. So Ripple's doing that great. You know, they have, um, they're getting into every space, smart contracts, um, CBDCs, NFTs, everything that you can think of. So they're definitely going to stick around for the long term. Guys, and this is going to be an XRP-centric episode as there's been a bunch of new reports this week, but specifically, this one caught my attention, Mario. Ripple is claiming that over 50% of universities around the world are going to embrace blockchain, crypto, and Web3 all before 2025. But that's not where I want to start the show as Gary Gensler is being called to Congress to being put on the hot seat. But we got 220 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out this news as Gary Gensler is likely to be questioned in Congress over his crackdown and crypto regulation. So the SEC may be questioned over their crypto crackdown as a new digital asset subcommittee within the House of Financial Services is being set to hearing soon. The first ever roundtable about crypto will be held on March 9th, 2023. The subcommittee is titling this article, Coincidence or Coordinated? The Administration's Attack on the Digital Asset Ecosystem. Although the subcommittee is yet to reveal who they're going to be questioning, Gary Gensler is most likely to be among witnesses that dominate of the SEC. So what's interesting about this whole thing is Gary Gensler has never been given official uh, jurisdiction over crypto. He took that onto himself. And a couple of things we've realized over the past couple of weeks is not only are they regulating Ripple and Ethereum differently, Gary Gensler is trying to separate himself from the Ethereum alliance by labeling everything as a security besides Bitcoin. In my opinion, he's playing 3D chess here. He sees the darkness right around the corner. He's trying to separate himself from that, Mario. So how do you feel about Gary Gensler being called to Congress and separating himself from the Ethereum alliance? Well, that's good. You know, put him on the hot seat, ask him. We need it. We need him to be asked the right questions and we hope that he answers this time because every time that I see him come on, whether it's on you know one of the broadcasting channels, he's being asked these questions and he just keeps going around the question without really answering it. Um, there's total confusion in 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 the government and as far as crypto, like they before they came out and said the SEC came out and said Bitcoin, Ethereum, they're good, they're commodities, they're not securities. Now we've got Gary Gensler in power and he's saying that only Bitcoin is is a commodity and not a security. It's just, it's a total mess. And I hope that the government does something about it. And I hope that Gary Gensler gets gets put in a position where uh, he has to be a little bit more concise, a little bit more specific about exactly what is considered a security. You know, let's let's move somewhere. If, if they're going to say that most of crypto or that certain cryptos are securities, then let's just get it over with. Let's just say, okay, these are securities. They're going to be regulated like securities. And that's how it's going to move forward. And if they're not, let's put a governing body in, in, in a position where they can regulate them and they can create a space where these companies can continue to innovate. Because I feel like it's, it's just pushing innovation out of the United States and it's preventing these companies from 
from doing something great, which the technology can uh, can produce, obviously. Uh, let, let, me, let me add something to this. When, when I was preparing for the show today, I was just reading some articles and, and you know, the CEO of, of Coinbase, uh, Brian Armstrong, and the CEO of Kraken, uh, Jesse Powell, they are not a fan of, uh, of, uh, of Gensler. And Jesse Powell, CEO of Kraken, said Gensler is not a regulator, he's an agent for an anti-crypto agenda. And I think that's right what he's saying, you know? The regulators currently let the bad, the bad guys win and, and they are attacking the good guys. So what are the bad guys? For example, FTX. And FTX was able to do everything. And what, who are they attacking? Coinbase, Kraken. And they are, they are such, such a yeah, normal companies. They are open and honest about everything what they are doing. And then uh, Kraken needs to pay 30 million uh, uh, in, in a fine of 30 million about something they did wrong. They were not even aware of they were wrong. So, uh, you know, uh, the Kraken CEO, Jess Paul, he paid the 30 million, but Brian Armstrong already said from, uh, from Coinbase, he said, I am going to court if they also attack my, uh, my, staking, uh, my staking business. So, you know, the, 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 yeah, the, 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 the knives are sharpened. And I think we will see a, a nice battle in the coming period. But I think it's it is needed this this battle. To, Absolutely, to and Jackie, it out. And, you know, and it's weird that in the U.S. regulation is made in court. I mean, come on, you know what Mario says? Why do are you pushing innovation out of the country? I mean, it's you know, there's so much to say about it, but. I had a great conversation yesterday, Andrew. One of my friends called me and said, what do you actually believe the narrative is as to why they're trying to sue Ripple? And I think it's very, very clear. Anybody who's working with the Ethereum Alliance, whether that's Coinbase, who just decided to launch their own platform built on Ethereum, JP Morgan is building Onyx on Ethereum. We've got Bank of America already having the most Ethereum patents in the banking industry. That's owned by Bank of America. So what do I think is going on here? Ripple is a direct competitor to the Ethereum Alliance and the profits that they're waiting to hold, as well as there is corruption behind the scenes that is yet to be exposed. And the corruption that I'm hinting at here is the Ethereum Alliance gave Ethereum's initial coin offering a free pass back in 2014, while the SEC is currently suing Ripple for doing something that wasn't even an ICO. So it's an interesting narrative that's going on here. And I do think there's going to be a day when they get put on the hot seat. But Jackie, I'd like to get some thoughts from you and then we'll continue. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of point out... Um... Andrew makes a, like a, a simple but super ironic uh, um, point as far as the fact that, you know, going after Kraken and Coinbase and then just kind of allowing FTX to do their thing. It's like these people who have been running these exchanges for so long have the most knowledge about cryptocurrency and they've been around a lot longer than FTX. And, and so, you know, it everyone knows that, but it's just a simple thing again to point out. It's like, why would you be going after people that have much more knowledge than you and also have been around a lot longer in the space versus, you know, just utilizing your own power and, and putting the hammer down um, yourself who doesn't have much knowledge and then also, you know, allowing a pass for FTX. So that is, you know, simple, everyone kind of, but it kind of brushes over people's heads. I don't know why, but just something I wanted to point out. Such a good point. Nobody ever calls out the fact that Gary Gensler was working with FTX before the collapse and he has been, well, we'll talk about it later in the episode. I want to play this video really quick of Brian Brooks, the CEO of Coinbase, criticizing United States regulators and stating that if we don't catch up, we are already falling behind. 
I think new legislation is needed. And the reason is that if you look at Americans, 80% of them feel like the current financial system doesn't work for them. You know, the, the fees are too high, the delays are there, uh, it doesn't serve everybody equally. And so, and it's not surprising, by the way, you know, the current financial system is built on 40-year-old technology. Some of the laws have been around for 100 years before the internet even existed. And so, you know, my belief is that cryptocurrency is actually the most important technology that can help update the financial system. And what's really cool to see is that actually the user base of crypto you know, advocates out there, there's one in five households in the U.S. are now using crypto. They're actually coming together and starting to get organized and saying, we want to elect candidates across 435 congressional districts that will help create this industry here in America safely. Do you think realistically we are closer to regulation? Becky and I and Joe were talking about this earlier. And, you know, it feels like we're closer, but also feels like maybe we're, we're just as behind as we were five years ago. Yeah. Well, I've been spending more and more time in D.C., and what's great to see is that there is strong bipartisan support for legislation. I think everybody saw what happened with FTX, and they said, okay, we need to make sure there's strong consumer protection. We also recognize that there's innovation potential here, and we don't want this to be like 5G or um, something like that, you know, the semiconductor industry that got moved offshore too much. We need this to be built here in America with strong consumer protection. So We've seen it before and we'll see it again. If we don't adopt this technology within the United States, it's going to move offshore, Mario. But we got 293 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out how Gary Gensler is indirectly being put on the hot seat by Coinbase here. I'd like to get some of your thoughts, Mario. How do you feel about Coinbase CEO and all the bold statements he made about the United States regulation? I think he was spot on. I agree with everything he said. Uh, there is no doubt that blockchain technology is uh, the future. Like we've we've come to that conclusion. And I think that what we're witnessing here, you know, Andrew said the knives have been sharpened and we're about to witness a fight. I think the fight has been happening. And what we're seeing is we're seeing we're seeing who's trying to be who's going to be the leader. And I think that it's very obvious that with the Ethereum Alliance, you know, there's a lot of involvement there between you know, what they call lobbying, also known as corruption. Um, you know, they're trying to make Ethereum be the, the winner in the space. Mario, and Mario, that's legal. That's legal corruption. There's a difference there. Well, you know, it's still corruption. But, <laughs> you know, and I, and I think that the battle is already in, in its course. And what we're seeing is we're just seeing all, all these narratives come across as, you know, uh, what are securities, what are not securities. When in the background, they're implementing this stuff. They're trying to... Uh, they're trying to favor the blockchains or the projects that that are going to be influencing their pockets the most, and just, that's just like anything. And and they need to they need to come to the realization, or people need to come to the realization that what's happening in the space is like what happened with FTX was a people's problem. It's not an industry problem. There's always going to be bad actors in every single industry. And uh, what we need is just like what Brian Armstrong stated. You know, we need uh, regulation to come in help prevent these things from happening while at the same time preventing innovation from leaving the United States. And I hope that's what we start to see in the near future. Andrew, and we've gotten some clear insight into what's going on behind the scenes with the SEC. Anybody who watches our show every day knows that we just interviewed Tony Edward yesterday. Well, right after our show, he had an interview with SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce, and she had some serious criticism for one of the people in our live chat right now, Gary Gensler. But guys, we got 322 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gary, I'm sorry, but you're about to be exposed. This came out, uh, Jesse Powell um, of Kraken, he kind of tweeted out something that contradicted Chair Genser about, you know, saying all I had to do was come on the website and fill out a form. And I know Chair Genser has said these things on TV. And 
Uh, but folks in the industry are saying it's not that easy. That, that, that's, it's not very clear on registering and coming in and filling out whatever form. So I don't know if you can speak to this, but what's going on here? There seems to be confusion. One side saying one thing and the other side saying one another thing. Andrew, so I just want to preface this before I play the end of this clip. What he's referencing here is after Kraken was sued by the SEC, Gary Gensler went on to CNBC and said if they had filled out one form, they wouldn't have had to pay a $30 million fine. Well, what happened after that? One of our prominent lawyers in the industry, Jeremy Hogan, went to the SEC's website and searched for a full day, could not find the form. So he called out Gary Gensler for basically using a play on words. He made something sound very simple, which is actually extremely complicated. And now Hester Pierce is about to address that. So we'll let this play and go back to Andrew. Here we go. Now, this has been a source of great frustration for me. I mean, obviously, uh, when you're registering a securities offering, it's it's, you know, it's not the same as, as signing up for a class online or something like that. You know, there's, there's information that you have to provide, but we should have a process for thinking about what it actually would look like if someone were trying to register one of these products or services. And um, we shouldn't undersell or we shouldn't underestimate the, the effort that would go into that. And and it does really require an, a regulator who is willing to work with the industry and with people who would use these products and services um, to figure out a productive path forward. It's it's not just pressing a button or, or you know filling out a form on the website. There there it it's a little bit more involved than that. And that right there is the nicest, most political way to call out someone you're working with. It is not as simple as filling out that form. And Hester Pierce stated it herself. Andrew, I'd like to get some thoughts from you and then we'll kick it to Jackie. How do you feel about Hester Pierce being very critical of Gary Gensler while they're both sitting commissioners in the SEC? Mm, you know, she is still an SEC uh, uh, member and, and, um, Actually, it's all a lot of, uh, sometimes I, I make myself a little bit angry. It's all a lot of BS. I mean, if you want to do it in the right way, yeah, you need a, uh, an SEC that is willing to cooperate. And I think there the willingness is lacking. And I understand because to my opinion, not only Hester Pierce, but, but, but the whole SEC, they are trying to profilate themselves as, as you know look how strong we are in the market and we are doing this and we are doing that and and i, I can imagine because imagine you are a, a managing director of the the bank of international settlements or or swift or you have such an enormous amount of money that you make every year year after year after year and now these kind of weirdos with crypto they are coming to eat your profit away uh, uh so I think that that the whole SEC is just yeah, co yeah corrupted with with fighting and, and and keeping this profit stream as long in place as possible. We we have we have a, a, a group here in the Netherlands that, that's called Follow the Money, and they do a research about things that are weird. And then you see when you see those money streams, then it, it, it declares or it, it explains a lot of stuff what what's happening. So I'm happy that Hester is a little bit uh, critical. However, the answer she gave was a very long answer about something that she says, yeah, 
we have no regulation and actually uh, we make the regulation afterwards and that's it's why, why uh, uh, innovation in the us for crypto yeah, it's made so difficult uh, you know don't forget there are uh, uh, an enormous amount of countries in the world and also the us is a big one but not the only one so innovation will be pushed out Jackie, you know what this reminds me of is an article that we talked to Tony about just yesterday. He got some inside information from government sources saying that the president of the United States went to the SEC, the uh, the CFTC and the OCC and said, your job for the next six months is to go out and bring crypto into regulation. Now, what is Gary Gensler doing? He's taking down everything that's not Bitcoin. I think that that is why he's so comfortable making blanket statements like everything besides Bitcoin should fall under the SEC's jurisdiction. He doesn't care. He's been given the green light and he knows there's going to be little to no repercussions. So I think that's what we're seeing right here. And Hester Pierce knows that. I'd like to hear what it means to you. Yeah, I agree with Andrew um, in this sense. I I mean, them being on the same team, I think I think she is kind of a bit of a pawn to keep people at bay, right? You know, Gary Gensler so hard hitting and throwing the hammer down and she's all, you know, all for crypto, but at the same time, you know, she's she's on the same team. So just like Andrew said, um, she gave a really long answer for for just saying that there is no regulation, regulation is lacking and and so, yeah, we already know that. Um, but I will say, too, that, you know, this this always reminds me of Jeremy. Jeremy has this uh, comment that he puts in simple terms about, um, you know, world leaders being in power and, and, you know, government positions to be able to make laws. Like, that's all their job is to do is to make laws. Like, they're literally getting paid to continuously making law, even though, you know, at times we don't need it, but I'm saying we do need regulation at this point in time, but we don't need to clear out every single cryptocurrency that, you know, that all of a sudden this is security, this is security, this is security, just to be a hard hitting lawmaker. You know what I mean? So it, there's definitely, it's just frustrating um, when you consider political leaders um, in, I guess I'm making a general statement, you know, um, but yeah, they, they continuously think that they just have to make a law to make a law, you know, and it's like, we do need regulation, but you don't need to be, um, you know, just banning everything left and right. Absolutely. And Mario, I think that's why it was important to start off the show with this article here. Gary Gensler is indirectly being called into Congress over his unfair regulation of crypto. And everybody calls this thing regulation by enforcement. But a better way to think about it is imagine you're driving on a road in your car and a cop pulls you over and he goes, you're speeding. But there was somebody in front of you going double the speed limit. That's exactly what took place with Ethereum and the SEC. Ethereum had an actual ICO where XRP took a product that was already built and started to utilize it for their own business. So there's a fundamental difference there. But I'd like to get some thoughts from you, Mario. What do you think about Gary Gensler being called to Congress? Do you think we'll get some answers here? It's hard to say because he's been so broad with his answers every time that he comes on stage, right? And it's... Like, look, there's there's no way that we have all these people in power and, 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 you know, they're smart people, like no doubt, like these people are smart. There's no way that they can't just come to a consensus about what regulation can be created to make the space successful. It, it doesn't make sense in my brain. So there's got to be a different agenda. There's got to be, you know, the lobbying that we were just talking about before. There's got to be something else that, that's at play here, because in my mind, there is no way that these people that have the ability to come up with with the solution 
and they're just not doing it. And so if they're not doing it, there's going to be a different agenda. That's the only thing that, that I can think of. Mario, let me get your thoughts to you before we continue with the show. A couple of weeks ago, Forbes released an article titled Why the SEC is Treating Ripple and Ethereum Differently. Only one after one hour after that publication, it was wiped off the internet. Luckily, we had some people in the community copy the entire article and post it so we could read it again. And the number one criticism was the corruption with the Hinman emails. There are people who are working in the SEC doing things by the books that are illegal, and they were called out by enforcement agencies and then stepped down from the SEC. I'm referring to William Hinman here, and anybody who wants to do the, the evidence and the hard work, go and check it out for yourself. So I want to get some of your thoughts. Do you believe that's playing into Gary Gensler's narrative here as to why he's calling Ethereum a security? Is he distancing himself from that behind-the-scenes corruption? Most likely. I mean, I, I definitely think that that's a possibility. And uh, there, look, there's no doubt that there's a race. There's a the race happening to, to who's going to be the winning blockchain or the winning platform because they know that this is the future. Blockchain in itself is the future of finance, is the future in which everything will be traded worldwide. You know, we're talking about commodities. We're talking about precious metals. So much stuff is going to be traded on the blockchain. So Ethereum wants to be the winner. Ripple wants to uh, the XRPL to be the winner. Solana probably wants Solana to be the winner. That's just what it is. And the agenda with, with these politicians, it, it, there's something else going on because in my mind, I can't think of why these smart people don't just come up with a framework that's going to help the space innovate. So, you know, unfortunately, corruption does get the best of, of governments. Uh, you know, I come from from a country, Portugal, which had everything in order to be one of the one of the best countries in the world as far as power and as far as wealth. And unfortunately, government and corruption, you know, it, it destroyed the country and, and and it's made it what it is today. And that happens all over the place. It's not just Portugal, Brazil, again, such a rich uh, country with so much natural resources, such a, a massive country that has such a vast, massive potential. And yet, you know, governments take uh, take take it into their own hands with, with corruption and destroy it. But, you know, I don't want to get too political because I'm not very political, but I can only think that that's what's happening behind the scenes. Absolutely, Mario. And it does remind me of what happened in Lebanon just a couple of weeks ago where it, there was a bank run. It wasn't political theater. People were going to the bank and there was no currency there, so much so that they were starting fires and riots outside of the banks. But what is that going to do? If there's no cash in there, Andrew, there's no money to be had. But we got 370 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Mario, you brought up something important. Ethereum people, they want their currency to succeed. Well, we have the same thing going on in the 8th Bar Foundation as they just hired one of the most influential people on the planet when it comes to crypto. So let's break this thing down. Brian Brooks appointed, was appointed to the board of the HBAR Foundation and has joined the board of HBAR in order to bring in new economic possibilities. The HBAR Foundation to date has allocated more than $400 million and over 225 grants to groundbreaking distributed ledger products. Brian Brooks has served as the acting comptroller of currency, where he was the administrator of the federal banking system, and he was the chief executive of over 3,500 employee federal agencies responsible for chartering and supervising banks, compromising 70% of all banking activity in the United States. Mario, what does that mean? Long story short, this guy is very, very powerful. How powerful, you might say? He was voted the 13th most influential person in the crypto industry internationally. He's one of the 500 most innovative general council members in the United States. And he was voted one of the top 10 most influential people globally by Crunchbase for cryptocurrency. So the fact that he joined the HBAR Foundation it's music to my ears. What's it mean to you, Mario? One of the most powerful men on the planet is betting on HBAR. 
Yeah, that's amazing news. I think HBAR has been having a lot of positive news recently. And, and again, that's another sign for us to for us to pay attention to as investors. Uh, we keep seeing all these important companies and important people being appointed. You know, Brian Brooks, he's he's another one of those people like Rosie Rios that comes from high positions in government, uh, government places and and is getting involved with blockchain projects. And so this is another affirmation that we as people that believe in the blockchain technology are doing the right thing. Again, you know, HBAR might be one of those winning uh, blockchain projects. Ethereum might be another. We, we just have to diversify. And one of these is going to take take us to that home run position. But, you know, Brian Brooks, um, yeah, I think he's he's doing good things. Uh, I was a bit surprised when he left Binance US, made me feel like there was something shady happening there with Binance US. <laughs> but, you know, nonetheless, it's good to see that he's influential. Let's hope that he plays a good part in in um, in helping the community or or the space uh, thrive and innovate. I love this comment here, Andrew. It said, HBAR is crushing this bear market. And it feels like every day we've got some more exciting news for HBAR holders. I think this is the biggest news of the bear market because this man, he's been ahead of the game talking about cryptocurrencies since back in 2016 and becoming one of the most influential and powerful people in the market. It's no surprise he chose HBAR as a product. And before I kick it to you, I want to remind people of two things. Right now, Google, IBM, Boeing, and several other billion-dollar companies are already working on HBAR. And in Africa alone, there's over 4 billion tokenized assets running on the Hedera blockchain. So there's massive innovation happening here. And Andrew, I'd love to get your thoughts. But before we do, we got 382 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here. Sending love and high vibrations to my man, Johnny K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, HBAR. Yeah, I think it's a very promising project. And, and of course, what is important is that you have good leaders in, in a blockchain. I mean, you can have the perfect technology, but without good leaders, yeah, it will not go out. Look, look, at, uh, look at XRP. Why is XRP so uh, 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 yeah, flourishing, actually? Yeah, because they have an excellent leader. HBAR needs the same. Uh, yeah, for Bitcoin, yeah, you know, Bitcoin is Bitcoin. There is no leader in Bitcoin, but uh, it, it's all about can you convince the people? Because a lot of stuff still needs to be built, and and you need to get major companies in, which you just say a, a Boeing and Microsoft and what what, what all, all the all the other companies you mentioned. So the more traction you get with your blockchain, yeah, the better it is. And that's actually, this is the shakeout we also saw in the uh, end of the 90s, early 2000s with the dot-com bubble. There were millions of companies. I remember a story that, that there was a, a new IPO, an initial uh, uh, public offering for a company called Fright Air. And if and they 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 uh, yeah they, they give it a sort of acronym. Fright air means mean yeah it means fright air. And people were saying yeah yeah I will I will I will I will participate in this IPO. So we will get a fright blockchain or whatever. And and as soon as as the as the hype starts again, everybody will throw money again to 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 blockchains. And but but then in the end, it's all about who survives. And, and yeah, this, this Brooks guy, uh, Brian Brooks, I think, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know what's funny, Andrew? Everybody's been focused on this news as Hedera dumped 1.6 billion tokens back into the circulating supply, but it's perfectly released on schedule. They will have fully 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Allocated all the tokens into the open market by 2030. So we are going to see this process where every year HBAR is adding to the circulating supply. It's not a bearish indicator. It's necessary for us to get this adoption. So Mario, I'd like to get some of your thoughts. How do you feel about Brian Brooks? And then we'll kick it to Jackie here. Yeah, I feel like it, it's super bullish. Uh, it's a, it's an affirmation that HBAR is doing something correct to feel so that Brian Brooks feels feels uh, confident in joining the board of advisors there. So it's super bullish for for HBAR. And I think that HBAR, in my opinion, is is one of those essential cryptocurrencies for the diversification in a portfolio. Absolutely, Mario. Sorry, I got stuck on the other page there. We're going to show our, our listeners a very interesting video right now. And this is talking about how XRP, despite being annexed in the United States, has been adopted in over 70 countries worldwide. So we're going to let the short clip play and go back to Jackie here. Here we go. Which we have, than it, it, it looks. And that means you've got to build a global network, which we have with RippleNet, uh, which is now in 70 plus countries with partners on the network that are world-class partners that we've spent a long time vetting, making sure from a KYC and AML standpoint, they are world-class before they even participate in the network. You can't go put together a 70 country network uh, with hundreds of participants on it overnight. And so, yes, there are lots of great innovations across single corridors or within certain regions, and that's gonna continue to happen. We, we offer a holistic global solution uh, which is using kind of latest technology from the blockchain and messaging standpoint, and now increasing the use of uh, digital assets as the bridge currency between countries. And so we just need to keep running hard and keep adding great people. And, you know, in an industry where not everybody's going to survive or make it, given some of these capital constraints. I love that sentence there, Jackie. But one of the things I noticed throughout this video is it comes back to the original video we showed at the beginning of the episode. CBDCs are going to be used to be spent every day. And currencies like XRP are going to have use cases like transferring money between banks. So there's a huge difference there. I'd like to get some of your thoughts. XRP live in 70 countries. What's that mean to you? Yeah, that definitely, just like you said, you know, uh, keep your head down and keep building. And I think they're doing that exactly, exactly correct. Um, you know, it's already live in 70 countries. Uh, so I think too many people focus on the negative versus all the positive that's going on, um, you know, outside of the U.S. right now. So definitely, you know, keeps me bullish on on RippleNet, keeps me bullish on XRP. Um, you know, that it's just kind of wild. A lot of people can't see past um, the current you know, current paradigm. But if you look at the macro perspective, all these people being put in the right place um, at the right time. Um, yeah, it definitely comes together. The puzzle, the puzzle becomes more clear. Absolutely. And Mario, the puzzle is becoming clear on the XRP price chart as well. As people are predicting some bullish movement this March, XRP is finally in a monthly time frame that looks bullish. And XRP in the monthly time frame with an exponential moving average shows us the message that we are about to make a bullish cross. A couple of initial price targets here. First, we got to get above 50 cents, reaching about 54 cents. And if we can break those levels, and I'm assuming if we get this high, the lawsuit's going to be over, but we could see $1.42. We never take these price predictions seriously, guys. Do not take these price predictions too seriously. It's more fun. It's more exciting. And I think it's something worth noting. The monthly chart is something that's a great indicator for a project. It's not like we're looking at a minute here. So Mario, does this mean anything to you? We could see some bullish movement in March. No, look, the amount of charts that I've seen like this over the past couple of years, you know, like, oh, uh, we're, we're in this trend and this is about to happen or we're in that trend and that, that's about to happen. We're, we're about to see XRP breakout. 
and it's just not happened. Um, look, I don't rely too much on on the charts. Just as, that's just not the kind of investor that I am. So, but especially when it comes to these these uh, charts from XRP, I really think that we got to see something happen as far as the case for for uh, for XRP price to to really break out and for for us to see those uh, those those uh, prices to go up. But you know, like you said, it, it's more for fun. Um, I do hope it happens for the sake of my portfolio. I do hope it happens, but I think that we're in a position where we do need to see something happen from the case because it's going to be about the hype. That's the only thing that can really pump any of the crypto prices right now. It's the hype. For as long as we stay in this consolidation bear market, uh, only hype can really create it, create a price explosion because the, the retail investors have, you know, we talked about this last week, the amount of people that used to ask me about crypto then now I ask them and they're like, ah, you know what? I, I'm not really interested. They're not interested because the prices are boring and they will get interested once, once the hype comes back and once the prices start getting it interesting again. But that's on, that's, that's the time where prices are already five, six, seven, even 10 X. So it's good that we're here and I'm grateful that we're here and I'm grateful that everybody in the chat is here. There's a great opportunity. Can I just say, I'm, I absolutely love that about our team. You know, we have more people that are on like a fundamental side analysis. And then we also have the technical analysis perspective. We have people that are so good at charts like Selman and Gonzo. And then, you know, more of the fundamentals, like I would definitely say like Mario Labs, Andrew, you guys are definitely on that. It, like that, I just love that variety that we bring um, to the space all in one team. Uh, because, you know, there are guys, there are guys that are holistically on, on either side. And I would say, um, you know, you do kind of need both, just like Mario's saying, like, I mean, how long have we seen XRP in such a great chart pattern? So many people have charted XRP and, and it looks so good, right? But just because of the fundamental analysis, things that are going on politically throughout the world, um, you know, we haven't seen that big movement. So, so definitely I would say we do need both. And that's why I absolutely love, I just love our team guys. I just love you guys. So. We love you too, Jackie. And we got 393 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. Andrew, I want to get some closing remarks here because there is a unique indicator showing up on this chart. And you're somebody who I think gives great advice. So the 50 week moving average is finally crossing above the 20 week moving average. And last time we saw this XRP went from 17 cents all the way to just below $2. So this is the first time we've seen this cross in several years. I know that we don't want to talk about the specifics, $1.42, $1.50, but is this a bullish indicator to you? And do you take it seriously? No, no, I don't take it serious at all because it is all manipulation. And you know why? Because everybody is looking at the golden cross, Ooh, the golden cross, you know? And that's why I, 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 I'm evangelist about about price action it means you have your average price and you 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 add more if it's if it's if the price drops a, 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 a specific percentage and you buy more and more and you start selling when it goes up you know i don't look at at, at tops at bottoms because nobody is able to predict a top or a bottom nobody but what you can do if it is somewhere in between a top and a bottom yeah, you can do something there, but but not especially. Yeah, to, to to try. Yeah, on hindsight, it is so easy to see. Oh yeah, I should have sold there. Oh yeah, I should have bought there. So for me, yeah, uh, all those indicators, they are nice. And sometimes I look at volume because if you see a specific movement 
and it is confirmed by volume, then I can say yes, then there is there is there is power behind such a move. But if it is just in a, in a, in, a, in a market where not much is happening, a price can go up and down all the time. And then if it goes up, all the YouTubers, they say, all the influencers say, oh, it's going to the moon. And, and if price is a little bit going down, then it is the worst crypto ever. And so, yeah, that, that's my two cents here. Yeah. Um, just, just focus on price action compared to your average price. And that's what, what, that what we teach, at least that's what I teach in the, in the 3T Academy. Thank you so much, Andrew. So long story short, hell no is what Andrew said. But we got 392 live listeners joining us. Check out this brand new video out of Fox this morning. And it's kind of exposing some of the things we may have been indicating earlier in the episode about Gary Gensler. This speaks for itself, so I'm going to let it play. Here we go. Gensler, the head of the SEC, is someone who was heavily involved in the Russia hoax. In fact, he was the guy who helped to finance the Russia hoax. He was the treasurer of the Clinton campaign back in 2016. We investigated all of this in 17 and 18. And look, we found out that he was the guy who made the payments to a law firm who then moved it on to Fusion GPS. I think all of your viewers know that story. Now, look, how can a guy who I investigated, who clearly funded a dossier to target Donald Trump, Donald Trump owns owns True Social, as I think most people know. How can that guy be in charge of this? But look, just to go even deeper, if you want to go ahead and know how deep this gets, it happens to be that Peter Strzok, who we also investigated, who was the FBI man in charge, who actually investigated the, the Russia hoax and helped to create the Russia hoax in many, in many ways, and who was ultimately fired from the FBI, his wife also is one of the top people at the SEC. Now, look, we've asked simple questions. Why are they- So I don't necessarily need to get into the Russian information or put in political opinions. What I'm trying to expose here is it wouldn't be the first time that there's corruption gone on in the SEC, and they have proof of it. They said this is not this is not up for debate. They proved that money was sent to accounts in order to persuade investors. There's no debate there. So what I really want to get your thoughts on is what is Gary Gensler doing here? Why is he stating everything besides Bitcoin as a security? I think he's getting ahead of the ball when when we have to deal with this Ethereum insider trading information. So I don't know. I just think that we're at a very interesting time for not only Ethereum, but for the entire asset class. And one of the safest assets in the market could have a tirade of attacks just around the corner. So Mario, I'd like to get some of your thoughts and then we'll continue. Yeah, it's like what we were discussing before. There, there, We are in a very important time in the blockchain space, especially in the United States. I mean, this whole thing has been happening in the United States. The The lack of clarity is not happening anywhere else in the world. It's just the United States. But the United States has the, the power and influence that it does. So it is it is an important decision and it is an important moment for, for, the, for the space. So again, Gary Gensler is playing a part. Uh, there's a bigger agenda, there's corruption, there's pockets, you know, people are being influenced one way or another to make certain decisions to benefit or discredit certain certain blockchains. I have no doubt about that. Um, we just have to stay, stay sharp as investors. We have to keep paying attention to, to all these narratives, all these news, so that we can try to make the best financial decisions for our portfolios. It's really hard to say, um, although the clues are all there, it's really hard to say uh, exactly what's going to happen because we don't have the crystal ball. But we know that the direction in which we're moving and it, and it, it is blockchain based. And uh, I think in the end, because of the way that it is happening and history has a way of repeating itself or it doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Right. But um, I think it's very clear that Ripple 
is in the fight stage because they have a very disruptive technology. And just like with any other kind of disruptive technology, there's going to be a fight. But then after the fight, there comes the we join you phase. And that's what I'm hoping to see for the entire crypto space. Again, this is not I, I do love XRP for what they're creating, for the potential that it has to uh, to um, influence my portfolio because of the investment. But I think the blockchain technology is super exciting. I think that what blockchain is doing for the world and and for everything in general is exciting. So I'm an advocate for blockchain first, everything else second. So uh, yeah, it's it's an, it's it's an exciting moment nonetheless. So the reason I think this is so important, and we'll kick it right to Jackie after this article, is that Ripple's actually demanding that Gary Gensler withdraw from the SEC case because he illegally shared his sentiment. In, by stating that everything is an unregistered security besides Bitcoin, they basically said that opinion cannot be used in court because it's already been given to the public. So that's why I think Gary knew that. Gary already understood that if he made these blanket statements, they could be used against him in court. So I think he's playing a game of what I like to call 3D chess. He's two moves ahead of the market, and he understands that the Ethereum Alliance is going to have to deal with the repercussions of their corruption. So he's distancing himself from the Ethereum Alliance by stating Ethereum is a security. So Jackie, I'd like to get some thoughts from you, and we'll kick it to Andrew. How do you feel about that? Yeah, Abs, I actually agree with you. I think that that's a great um, outlook on the situation. I think that that might be very possible. Um, it's just frustrating. You know, it's frustrating. A lot of these people get put into the positions that they do, and and I mean, although we, the people complain about it, um, it's it's just frustrating how a lot of, you know, a lot of the majority of the people just don't even pay attention either. So I don't know, I kind of get in this weird balance of like, uh, you know, feeling feeling hopeless, but at the same time, you know, wanting to fight. So I'm with you. Yeah, I agree with you on that statement. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, because if if they are allowed Imagine if imagine what's worse, right? If the SEC is publicly found to have been promoting Ethereum behind the scenes, allowed the ICO to go through when there's no repercussions, or if there is repercussions, both are, are devastating for the industry. And I don't want to give my two cents. I'd like to kick it to Andrew here. Yeah, you know, you, you bring a nice perspective uh, because in the end, Gary Gensler also needs to survive himself as a person. So yeah, which side do you choose? Do you choose the Ethereum Alliance? Then at least you have to give them a free pass, which he, which was the case. And now he says, yeah, everything is in a, is a security except uh, Bitcoin. So it's it interesting to see how this this uh, this this chess game is played out. And um, I was also thinking that Gary Gensler is, of course, also maybe a, a guy who wants to make still a career in politics, and he was he's showing that he is the the tough guy, and but on the other hand, he is also fighting against the, the the CFTC, and they are more or less separating the 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 market between between the two. So it, it's it's an it's an is a game with very much dimensions. You know, you have the in, the personal politics, you have the internal politics, and then you have the 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 countrywide politics and the world politics. So, I mean. If I if I was standing in the shoes of Gary Gensler, I'm not so sure what to do anymore. Especially not if you understand how much pressure he probably gets from Ethereum Alliance, other big companies to go one way or the other. So maybe he is just a, a, also a marionette, Gary, in the whole game of all the major players in this in this game. 
Absolutely. That's another interesting theory there, Andrew. We got 377 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this breaking news out of Coinbase yesterday as they are trying to bring in fair crypto regulation. And that's why their CEO was on CNBC Squawk Box yesterday. They created this council called Crypto 435, which is focused on bringing in correct regulation in the United States that not only allows innovation to thrive, but it allows new companies to want to come here. So they're trying to incentivize people to move into the United States as opposed to leaving to get away from our regulators. So Mario, really briefly, just because you weren't on the show yesterday, I wanted to get some quick thoughts. When XRP was sued by the SEC, Coinbase was one of the first crypto exchanges to say, we are taking ourselves away from this. But here they are fighting for proper regulation. So what do you believe caused that change in sentiment? Well, I think the, the what caused that change was the fact that they realized that the SEC is trying to come after everybody and everything in the crypto space. You know, they're coming after staking. They're coming after all these different projects. And, at, you know, finally, Coinbase realizes that this isn't attacking the entire crypto space because we've been talking about this since the inception of GMC. You know, they all crypto projects or blockchain companies need to come together and fight this alongside with Ripple because this is a law that's going to be very important for the entire space. And uh, I know that Coinbase has already uh, signed that they're going to, um, I forget the name of the name of the document that they filed in support of Ripple versus the SEC, but, you know, they would really help XRP by relisting it. They're not willing to take that risk, which understandable, but, um, you know, I'm happy to see that they're finally waking up to the fact that they, ev- all, everybody needs to come together and fight this together because blockchain needs this regulation or crypto space needs this regulation, not just a, it's not just Ripple versus the SEC. Absolutely, guys. And Jackie, check out this breaking news or not breaking news, but this update from Ripple. When a scrappy financial startup takes on a web of corruption and betrayal to bring instant payment to the masses, they learn the cost of disrupting the status quo is higher than they could have ever imagined, forcing them to decide between their vision and survival. And we brought this up yesterday because I think David Schwartz is hinting if they don't get approval in the United States, Ripple's not going away. They're going overseas. So I'd like to get some closing thoughts from you and then we'll continue. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, it comes down to it that um, that's like the macro perspective of everything. Like everyone's more concerned about their own survival, right? So the government's more concerned about their own survival. They're more concerned about pumping their own pockets full of money, you know? And and so, and that's, you know, that's Gary's main focus. That's everyone's main focus of of this battle going back and forth. Right. And so, so, so technologies and and companies like Ripple that are, you know, they're, they're going to continue to build and develop um, overseas and they're just going to forget the U S you know, if, if that, it comes down to that. And so um, I don't know, that's kind of like the harsh reality of our world just because we are so um, reliant upon money. We're reliant upon financials. uh, You know, that's, that's everyone's main focus. And, it's not, it's such a hard thing. It's not a, it's not a, you know, you can't condemn people for that, obviously, because that is, that's the world we live in. And so everyone's kind of at the end of the day, you know, we're all hoping our bags pop, but that is, um, that is kind of the harsh reality. You have to see past everyone's intentions. You know, a lot of people, you know, Hester Pierce, for example, we thought, you know, she was on our side and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, she's getting paid by someone to push a certain narrative too. And all of these people, all these people, all these big names. So you kind of have to keep that in mind whenever you're, you're looking at one side of the coin or the other.
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jackie. And we're going to close this show out with a really cool article about how Ripple believes over 50% of institutions are going to be adopting crypto before 2025. But before we do that, we got 382 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I'm sure many of you know that this April, we are going to be hosting our annual Freedom Conference starting in 2023. Thank you for that. That looks much better. So guys, these tickets go live tomorrow. I don't know what time. Jackie, can you fill our listeners in on what time our tickets go live? Oh my gosh, guys. I am not sure. We will have the link up. We will have the link up on the Good Morning Crypto Show tomorrow. So if you join in tomorrow, um, the link will be up down below uh, this live stream. Interesting, guys. And what's so exciting about this opportunity is not only is our entire team going to be there together in person, but last time we had one of these retreats, it was legitimately a life-changing experience. Not only did we have Good Morning Crypto come out of that, that's how I met my man, Johnny Crypto. So I'm sure some amazing relationships are going to be made at this conference. And I look forward to meeting many of our listeners. So let's close out this show on the correct note, guys, because Ripple is looking more bullish than ever. And once I find this article, I'll explain why. So interestingly enough, over 50% of global universities are expected to adopt blockchain by 2025. And as you can see, I just deleted the article by accident. So Mario, give me 30 seconds here. I got to pull it up again. Sorry, guys. I little tech issue there. It's all good. I mean, we can... We can just have a little chat, right? Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a very action packed episode with with Ripple and Gary Gensler and all this stuff that's happening. But nonetheless, I, you know, it's it's exciting because we're we're in a space where so much news is coming out every single day, and uh, you know, it keeps us on our toes. It's like you spend the week without paying attention to the news, and you come back, and it's like, whoa, what's happened? The chain, you know, the space almost changed altogether. But it's a very exciting space to be in. I love it. Absolutely. And sorry about that, guys. I do apologize for the tech issues this morning, but this is the breaking news out of Ripple. And Andrew, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Ripple's SVP, Eric Van Mintelberg, predicts that over 50% of global universities will embrace blockchain, crypto, and Web3 in core business and financial programs by 2025. And what gets me so excited about this is you're getting the youth ready to use this technology. They're going to understand this stuff to the best of their abilities. And Ripple seems to be at the forefront of this whole movement. So Andrew, to close us out for today, how do you feel about over half of institutions and universities around the world using blockchain by 2025? You know, if, 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 uh, if you talk about universities, then actually my heart opens because a university is an area where innovation lives, where people with open minds, where, where they want to invent new things. And, and these are the leaders of tomorrow. And if you if they get chance to build new technology for for all kinds of, uh, of of businesses, as soon as it is more efficiency, more transparency, more speed, then businesses will say, "I want this guy, this this guy that uh, that graduated for or, or made his title on, on the university. I want him. I want him." And, and you know and put those guys together in in Harvard or or in other major universities. It will be fantastic what, what they can build up. I mean, when internet started, yeah, year, years ago, we couldn't think about Facebook and, and all those other major applications. We will see applications in the future, and we are talking about money transfer and XRP, but we will see amazing applications in the future where you, you have no ID yet. And this is the future of, uh, of crypto. And, and that's why and, and blockchain and that's why I like so much. And this is such an article. 50% over global universities will embrace blockchain. Fantastic, guys. This is what we're talking about all the time. 
it will take another 10 years, I think, till we are at, at the stage of that, that all the bad players are out and that we see the, 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 the Amazons and, and the Googles and, and but then in the crypto space. So load your bags, be patient, be patient for maybe 10 years, you know, keep, keep your stuff and do the, do the thing, enjoy your life and, 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 and yeah, just be ready for this major transfer and don't think that you can make money on the short term. It's a long-term game, but we will come better out on the other side. Thank you so much, Andrew. And just to remind our listeners, they always say 99% of cryptos will fall. Well, today there's over 22,000 cryptos that exist in the market today. So if only 1% survive, we'll still have 220 successful projects out there. But guys, we got 313 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to close this show out by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Mario. Thank you to Andrew Cashflow. And thank you to Jackie, the crypto juggernaut. Another amazing show. And guys, tomorrow I'm going to be on vacation. So Gonzo is going to be hosting an amazing episode we'll see you guys then and like we always say warriors rise get your shit together baby thanks for joining us